The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Have you ever been to a, a restaurant and they got your order wrong? Everyone. Kids, maybe you've been to one of those family restaurants where you can stay in your car and people just hand you a, your order through the window to your parents. And then you get home, maybe, you open it up and you're ah, I got my order wrong. Or maybe they gave you someone else's order. What about with your life circumstances? Have you ever felt like life's not giving you what you ordered, what you expect? Like maybe God has messed up the orders. He's given what should have been coming to you to someone else. Maybe God's not treating you like you think he should. Rather than feeling blessed by God like uh, those in, in Psalm 1 or Psalm 2, you feel more like God is treating you like an enemy of His. Well, if you felt like this, maybe you should read Psalm 6. Maybe we should do that now. Psalm, uh, Psalm 6 is uh, the word of the Lord. For us this morning. To the choir master with stringed instruments, according to the Sheminit, a psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my sorrows. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in you. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you that it shows us that we can lament before you. We ask now that you would teach us 
by your Spirit what your Word has for us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. As has been mentioned already, Psalm 6 is a psalm of lament. You might have even noticed some of the words that were similar to what Grant read out from Psalm 42. It follows the shape that I've mentioned previously about what a lament shape might be, what shape a lament psalm would follow. It's that U shape, that gospel shape, where a journey is had through sorrow and suffering, out the other side to praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 6 is to be read in light of Psalms 1 and 2. And when we do this, Psalm 6, well, the cry of Psalm 6 is, Lord, don't treat me like your enemies will be treated by you. You might remember in Psalm 1 and 2, it talks about how the enemies of God will be treated, those who don't submit to the Son, his anointed king. If you read through Psalm 6 or, or listen to Psalm 6 read, well, not just Psalm 6. Actually, if you go back to Psalm 3 and, and listen to that read or, or listen or read yourself from Psalm 3 right the way through to about Psalm 9, you'll notice that Psalm 6 is actually part of a group of Psalms. I mentioned that the other week, that often the Psalms are put in groups. They're ordered in groups. And these psalms, from Psalm 3 right through to Psalm 6, well, we mentioned that lament psalms have a U-shape. You might find that that group of psalms also follow a U-shape. Bill's going to be preaching for us next week on Psalm 8. And when you hear that, you'll notice things are going up. So Psalm 6 is sort of grouped together with these other psalms, and so you'll notice similar language used from Psalms well, 1 and 2 to Psalms 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. They are a journey through suffering to praise and thanksgiving to God. And there is similar language used in different, different psalms in this grouping. Language that refers to the God's wrath or to his righteous anger. These psalms often talk of being terrified or greatly troubled. They speak of God's grace and of his steadfast love for his people in the psalms. There are common references to enemies, to evil beings. This common language starts in, in Psalm 6, right at the very first verse. For David's words in verse 1 to God are, to, O Lord, or Yahweh, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Those words are not a plea against correction and discipline by the Lord. They are a plea that the Lord's disciplining of the psalmist would be tempted by his grace. Whether that be by purely showing mercy and relenting, 
whether that be grace out of God's covenant love for his people. See, God's anger and his wrath are what the wicked can expect to receive from God. We saw that in Psalm 2, verse 12. Now in Psalm 6, David, the psalmist, is saying, God, don't treat me like one of your enemies. He said he is pleading that God would be gracious to him, to heal him. Because David feels the weight of his circumstances. He says, I'm languishing, but his bones are troubled. Feel it in his bones. His references to, to bones and, and David's soul uh, convey the sense of the whole of his being, his very, the very core of his being. It's been taken over, it's afflicted by a sense of terror. Behind that word languishing is the, the word we might know as prayer. He feels frail before God. Where you use that, that sort of language in a gardening text, you might say something is withering. Do you feel frail or withering? Withered by your circumstances? You feel like they're the slightest thing might be the end of you. I've taken another bump. You're, you're not going to be able to get up like you used to. Context of the psalmist languishing his his frailty, his uh, or the, the trouble is unclear. Psalmist just doesn't say exactly why he's feeling this way. The use of bodily language in verses two and and six to seven could suggest that physical illness is behind behind his feeling. That sickness could be the source. Of their trouble, frailty. But David may not have been languishing or feeling frail because of his old age or because of illness. It might be that his conscience is uneasy. Maybe David's own personal sin has made him feel the way he does before God. But in saying that, Verses 7 to 8 and verse 10 appear to point to David's foes, the workers of evil or enemies, as the reason behind his trouble. The word foe, that's, as is translated here, is also translated the same way in Psalm 3, verse 1, where he cries out against his foes. Psalm 3 is a psalm that we're told is written when, on the occasion when David fled from his son Absalom, who was out to get him. It's the result of a sequence of events that we can find in 2 Samuel uh, chapters 11 through to 15. If we follow it all the way back to where it started, it started, it had its seed in David's own personal sin. Where his sin was, uh, he sinned with Bathsheba. 
had her wa- her husband killed. He took him up in his wife. In two Samuel chapter twelve, verses seven uh, chapter twelve, verses seven to twelve, God reveals through the prophet Nathan there would be consequences to David's sin. But either way, whatever the, the reason for the, the path that David is heading, the depth and the duration of David's suffering results in David crying out to God with the same words that many of us still find ourselves crying out to God with today. It says in verse 3, But you, O Lord, how long? Jesus has tried these words over the years, over last year. How long must I endure this suffering, God? What more do I need to learn from what I'm going through? Why the delay? It's a cry that is heard throughout the Psalter. Psalms 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Psalm 74. How long, O God, is the foe to scoff? Is the enemy to revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the fold of your garment and destroy them. How long? Why the delay? Why does this illness continue? the Bible teaches us about the delays of God is that they are there for the purpose of maturing. And that might be the maturing of time, or that might be the maturing of people. Whatever God's purpose is for a delay, it's not an easy thing to endure. And the psalm doesn't make light of or gloss over the intensity of the psalmist's experience. Look at verses 6 and 7. Trouble is all that they know. It wearies them with deep sorrow and grief. There is no respite for them. Night and day, it causes them to weep and moan. The psalmist is suffering from a combination of depression and exhaustion. Combination is now beyond the reach of self-help or good advice from someone else. Maybe you felt yourself like this. 
maybe try to help someone who's feeling that way. And we've tried to have a conversation with them. All that they can talk about is what they're going through. There seems to be nothing we can really say to help lift them up. Maybe it was grief related to the loss of a loved one who's made them feel this way. Maybe it's the pain and turmoil that comes as a result of a traumatic experience. Maybe it's the despair that accompanies a terminal medical diagnosis. How do you possibly help someone in that situation? And if the psalm feels like it's describing how you feel right now, where can you find help? Well, like the psalmist, we need to grapple with the fact that the sufferer is living in a state of utter depression and exhaustion, where both the problem and the solution are God. And how is God the problem? Well, sin is rebellion against God. Whether that be our own personal sin, whether that be humanity's sin, whether that be the sin of others. See, behind the problem of personal sin is our personal rejection of God, of His right and good way in life. Behind the problem of illness is God's curse of disease, decay and death on this created world came about as the result of humanity's sin. Behind the problem of enemies who oppose us, to oppose God's people and God is other people's sin. Their opposition to God and, and therefore their opposition to anyone who's associated with God. The psalmist knows that because of sin, God is the problem. But he also knows that God is the solution. So whatever the cause of their present circumstances, the psalmist appeals to God to act for their benefit and to do so out of his faithful love. Look at verses 4 and 5. Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? David's plea for God to turn and show his loving kindness to David is paired with David's view that the ultimate purpose of life is that it should be lived in a way that brings praise and renown, glory to God, to God's name, to God's character. Although the circumstances of David's life seem to indicate that things aren't the way that God said they would be for a blessed one, or for those who submit to the Son and take 
refuge in the blessed land. David's question, or David doesn't question God's presence. He doesn't rebel against God. In the midst of his depression and exhaustion, David maintains his convictions that God is good and that his word is true. So David pleads with God to deliver his life so that David might continue to live his life in a way that gives thanks and praise to God. Again, that is, that is not all of the Psalms, is it? We're not left with David wallowing in a place of exhaustion and depression. No, look at how the, the transformation now happens in David's language in, in verses 8 to 10. David there asserts that God hears his plea and accepts his plea. He says, Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. David's words here in, in verse 8 are the words of a king asserting his power to purge evil from his kingdom. He speaks these words in faith because the victory is yet to come. But David does so knowing that his prayers are heard and will be answered by the Almighty. He speaks it in faith, knowing that the victory is yet to come. But knowing that the victory will come. The command, depart from me, you workers of evil, may sound familiar. That's likely because it occurs on the lips of Jesus in Matthew 7. And it talks about the occasion when evil will be ultimately purged. After declaring that God's kingdom, the, the people of God's kingdom, sorry, are known by their fruits, Jesus then says to those whose lives didn't reflect faithfulness to God, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, and you workers of evil. We find that astonishing. The ultimate answer to David's prayer did not come before his grave came. Until the day he died, David still had enemies. He still had sin. He still had sickness. Yet despite that, in faith, he could plead with God to have mercy on him, knowing that his prayers to God would be heard and answered according to God's steadfast love. Because God is good, 
and his word is truth. These are not the only words of Psalm 6 that we find on the lips of Jesus. Look at how Jesus describes his soul in John chapter 12, verse 27. Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice coming from heaven, I have, I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. It's the same language used by David to make a passionate plea for God to act out of grace instead of his wrath. Not so with Jesus. Jesus instead suffered the wrath of God, but not for his own sin, but for the sin of his people. Jesus was willing to take upon himself the punishment that is reserved for the enemies of God. Jesus weeps but not for himself, but for those who reject him and choose God's wrath instead of his grace. Because Jesus endured the wrath of God, we who have trusted in him for the forgiveness of our sin can take Psalm 6 as a model for how we might, in honesty, Boldly cry out to God to heal us and have mercy upon us. We can do so being confident that God will hear and answer our prayers to heal and to save. But just as David had to wait for a long time before his prayers were answered, we too must be prepared for a long wait. We need to be prepared ultimately that our prayers may not be answered before our resurrection. We are resurrected. Are you willing to do that thing? Psalm 6 tells us that God is the solution to our problem. Jesus is the solution to our problems. So be encouraged today and cry out to Him. Let me pray. My loving Lord and Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have Give us a model to follow, to be able to come before you honestly and boldly. We don't have to shy away from how we feel. We are to lay it out before you, Lord, and say, how long? What more must I learn through this? Father, we thank you that you also model and remind us 
you've got a good purpose behind every delay. And Lord, it is for our benefit even, something for us to learn from this. We can mature through this. But Lord, we thank you that ultimately the solution is you suffering the wrath of God in our place to deal with our own personal sin, to deal with humanity's sin. We will deal with the sin of others. Remind us of that afresh, we pray, so that we can confidently plead with you to have mercy on us, knowing that our prayers are heard, that ultimately in Jesus, our prayers are answered. We thank you for that. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.